If you would please turn in your Bibles, your pew Bibles, to page 443. This morning we're going to be reading 2 Samuel chapter 16. It's a little long, but I think you can handle it. 1 Samuel chapter 16. The Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I have rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, How can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. And the Lord said, Take a heifer with you and say, I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one I indicate. Samuel did what the Lord said, and when he arrived in Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him. And they asked, Do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, Yes, in peace. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Consecrate yourselves and come to the sacrifice with me. And then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. And when they arrived, Samuel saw Elab and thought, Surely the Lord's, the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height. For I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things that people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse saw Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shema pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons that you have? Well, there is still the youngest, Jesse answered. He is tending the sheep. And Samuel said, Send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. Then the Lord said, Rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. Samuel then went to Ramah. Now the Spirit of the Lord had departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord tormented him. Saul's attendant said to him, See, an evil spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord command his servants here to search for someone who can play the lyre. He will play when the evil spirit comes from God upon you, and you will feel better. So Saul said to his attendants, Find someone who plays well and bring him to me. One of the servants answered, I have seen a son of Jesse of Bethlehem who knows how to play the lyre. He's a brave man and a warrior. He speaks well, and he is fine-looking, and the Lord is with him. Then Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me your son David, who is with the sheep. So Jesse took a donkey, loaded it with bread, a skin of wine, a young goat, and sent them with his son David to Saul. Saul came to David, entered his service, and Saul liked him very much, and David became one of his armor-bearers. Then Saul sent word to Jesse, saying, Allow David to remain in my service, for I am pleased with him. Whenever the Spirit of God came upon the Spirit from God came upon Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. 
Then relief would come to Saul, he would feel better, and the evil spirit would leave. This is the word of God for the people of God. Chosen by God, David. I think we would all go, yeah, David was chosen by God. Great for David. This is about you too, and me. Before we get started, I'd like to open up in prayer. Father, Lord God of heaven, righteous one who has provided the breath of life to each creature upon this earth and to each of us. We enter your presence today joyful. Excited and full of thanksgiving for the things that you have done in our lives, the things that you have done in the past, and the things that you are doing in our lives and what you plan for the future. This morning, Lord, we open up our hearts, our minds, our emotions for you to enter with your Holy Spirit to minister to us. I ask for your healing upon the lives of those who are here and those of us joining by way of Facebook. God, I ask for your healing power to enter our hearts, our minds, and our bodies. May the day come quickly that we stand before one another proclaiming your healing and testify of your love. Lord, our hope is in you. God, I ask this morning that our eyes are open to see ourselves as you do to allow our hearts to believe what you believe about us, helping us to understand that no matter what our current condition is, that you are for us and that you have great plans for us. Father, remove our focus from where we are and give us vision for where we are going, no matter what our condition is today. God, we bring these things to you in a heart of worship and a heart of honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Our sermon in a sentence. You have been chosen. You have been chosen. We've read about David, and we understand that here is this shepherd boy discounted by his brothers set up to be the anointed one of Israel. Comes out of nowhere, literally, because nobody knew where he was. He was out in the fields with the sheep, and they wandered. Samuel, given mission by God to find this young boy, to anoint him so that he would step into the role that God needed for his people, his children, to be led. Oftentimes we can look at David and look at that from the perspective of leading a country, becoming king, and going, well, man, that's just way out of my ballpark. Right? I'm not the only one standing there thinking that. Just as the Bible talks about that there is no sin greater than another, we need to come to an understanding that there's no purpose greater than another. 
that your role and my role are equal. They are just as important. Because if you're not doing what you're called to do, then it's more difficult for me to do what God's calling me to do. That's why it's called the body of Christ. That's why each one of us has a part to play. We are a part of the body. Each is important. Each is valuable. Each adds to what the total of God wants us to accomplish. So for us to look at David and go, wow, I am chosen and you're going to use David as the example? I got, aim high, man. Right? Aim high. Go for, look at the, the, one of the best examples in Scripture and understand that that's how God sees you. That's how God sees me. Up to this point in 1 Samuel, Saul had been king. And there needed to be a change. So God sought who that would be. Chosen by God. So over the next several weeks, we're going to talk about David, a simple shepherd boy. We're going to talk about his purpose. We're going to talk about his struggles. We're going to talk about God's love for him. And looking at us, ourselves, through those lenses. Giving us this opportunity to understand and apply those things to our personal lives. So the focus this week is that God chooses us to display Himself. That we, even in our difficulty or in our hiddenness, are seen. Known. Chosen for God's work. We're also going to see that worship prepares us for our position. And it is powerful to make room for our giftings and our purpose. Chosen by God. Designed in His image. Seen by God, not on the outside, but here, in the heart. Verse 19 tells us that. God says, man looks at the outside. I look at the heart. I look at the heart. That's vision that we need. We need to look at the heart. Here's what I don't want you to say. I don't want you to say, I'm not a good person. Or I'm not a good choice. Because when we do that, too often that discounts who we are. That's not how God sees us. As a matter of fact, when we start saying things like, you know what, I'm just, I'm just not a good person. Or I, I just, I'm, I'm not the right one. If you can turn that and look at it from a, from a perspective of the person that's in your life that you pour into, it can be, it doesn't have to be your kid, it can be a coworker, it can be your children, it can be your grandchildren, it can be 
whatever. But it can be a coworker. It can be somebody that you're, you're, you see in them the potential for them to be great, for them to do well, all of those things. And, and then they look at you and go, but I'm not worth this. Why do you put your time and energy into me? That's heart-wrenching, isn't it? Don't do it to God. I'm just, I'm just asking you, don't. Because you have a good, good father who has breathed life into your lungs, who has sent his son to die for you, has given you talents, has given you gifts, has given you promises more than we can count. Don't break his heart. Don't. Three biggest things the Lord taught me when I started onto this journey. Submission, surrender, <laughs> the last one you're gonna make, you're gonna laugh. Humility. I'm the humblest person I know. But those three things, when God starts working on us, those three things allows us to die to who we are and embrace His call, His vision, how He sees us. And it makes us go, okay. Now, of all the, the, and we have, and I know I say this a lot because we have a lot of them, but a lot of teachers in here, and you see in people's lives, in those kids' lives, that, you know what, they can do something, they have the gifts, they have the skill set, they have the talent, if they would just believe. And that's what God wants us today, to do today, is to believe what He sees in us. To believe what He sees in us. That's why I talk often about our portrait. Is because that's the foundation. So David comes before Samuel. After all of his brothers have been there. And I could imagine they're standing around. Because they know David. And they're like, oh my gracious, you got to be joking me. The prophet of God is here at our home to anoint the next king, and you're going to pick the one that's out with the sheep? Right. Because God looks at the heart. And what does David learn to do while he's out there with the sheep? Play the harp. Worship. I'm not saying go out and learn how to play the harp. Though I would like to watch that. I think Craig does. God has things for us to learn and for us to do. Greater than what we think. So David gets anointed. What would it be like for you to walk into your boss's office and get this amazing promotion? And then for your boss to go, okay, now go back to your old position. I'll let you know when you take the new position. You mean there's no timeline? Not two weeks? When does the raise start? 
That's it. And so David gets anointed to be in this position and, and to become this person and then goes back out into the field. Sometimes that's one of the hardest things for us to deal with is this idea that we have been set aside, that we're out of way, that we're hidden, that we have to wait. That's tough. So in our hiddenness, we have a tendency to believe because we start hearing these voices that you've been forgotten. What you just experienced isn't true. You're going to be left out there. Nobody knows where you are. All of those are lies. That's that opportunity for us to believe further into what God has done. Now here's a different perspective of this. Instead of being, well, let me ask you this. What do you do with something that is very, very valuable? You hide it. It may be chocolate chips so your kids don't get them. They're valuable, right? It could be a jewel. It could be cash, it could be your grandfather's watch, it can be something, but whatever is valuable to you, it can be sentimental. You're going to hide it away so that you know where it is, you'll put it in a place that you will never forget, and there are times with those valuable things that they are set aside only for you. No one else. God does that with us. He takes us into these seasons of hiddenness. And in those times, instead of us getting frustrated and irritated at the fact that I have been forgotten and nobody knows where I'm at, what if you looked at it from a standpoint that you have a one-on-one with the Almighty? You have a one-on-one. The best counselor ever the smartest person in the world, the most wisdom that you could ever imagine, is for you one-on-one. That's hiddenness with God. The enemy wants to destroy that. He wants to say, you have been forgotten. The promises that you've been given, the anointing that got poured onto your head, is false. You will die here alone. We know that God and Satan are opposites, correct? So every arrow the enemy shoots at you, you can understand and know, as sure as I'm seeing standing here, that the very opposite is true with God. That's why when someone comes up and says your lack of value or states that you are not going to be or become or makes you question what God has told you or where God is taking you, you can smile, bless them, thank them because you're on your way. 
The reason that those things are being said to you is to stop you from going in that direction. It is a blessing. It's to share with you how much God trusts you to be that person. Hiddenness is not a bad thing. Hiddenness is training. Hiddenness is a time to allow the promises of God to take root in your soul. Genesis chapter 16, Hagar has been kicked out of the camp of Abraham and Sarah. She's all alone with her son. She is dying. Her son is dying. She is met by the Lord. And she calls him Elroy. Translated, the God who sees me. The God who sees me. That's who God is. He is the God who sees you. He knows where you are. He knows what you need to learn. And He's willing to teach you one-on-one. You can get no better counselor, church. The thing that we have to do is admit that it's okay to be patient. To surrender, to submit, to allow your heart to be humbled, and to learn what it is that God is teaching you. It's time at that point to allow ourselves to have the right perspective and to see your life the way that God sees it. And don't take the bait that the enemy is pumping at you. That's for your destruction. Everything else is for you to have life and life more abundantly. So David is out again with the sheep. He has been anointed king of Israel, and yet he goes back to his tasks at hand. Faithfully doing his job. Worshiping, learning how to play the harp. There's some other things, other ways that he's described in chapter 16. Send me your son David, who was with the sheep. And David came and entered into his service because he knows how to play the harp. He is a warrior, he is skilled. He learned a lot out there with the sheep, didn't he? In his time alone, with the Lord, he learned. It doesn't matter if you see exactly where your skill that you're learning at this point in time is going to fit into your future. The question is, are you going to be obedient to learn it? Right? We, we look at... <laughs> We can look at David and go, okay, David, I want you to learn how to throw a rock at a sl- from a sling. What for? You're going to need this one day, David, trust me. But I don't see the point. David, 
Just, just learn how to, to, to swing the sling around. Just do it. Submission, surrender. Humility, obedience. It's those things that are important. God may be using situations in your life to teach you those things. To how to, how to surrender. That it's okay to surrender. For you to surrender to God is a safe place. But I'm not in control, Ian. Exactly. you got the creator of all that is in control, and you'd rather trust yourself? Hmm. I, I'm going to go with the Lord. I think you all are great, but... And it's really that focus that we have to go, you know what, God has our best interests in mind. He's taking us to a place that He needs us to be to put Himself on display for the people around us. So learn what it is that He is teaching you in your time tending sheep. We understand in, in, verse, in chapter 16 that an evil spirit came upon Saul. And they had to find someone to play the harp to come in because the music sent the spirit away. I'm going to make a few comments about this and then we're going to move that into next week. Worship clears Paths. Worship clears paths. In this case, worship was part of the positioning for David to become king. Worship comes from the heart. God looks at the heart and not the outward appearance. And so the Lord positioned David and his heart of worship in front of Saul to start the preparation of his position as king. Worship is vital, and it is important, and it opens up doors, and it casts away the enemy. Because the Lord inhabits the praises and the worship of his people. And where the Lord is, the enemy will flee. You see that? That's worship. And that's one of it, that's one of the points of worship being called a weapon. It is just that. I've heard many, many testimonies of people having bad days at work. They hop in their car, turn on their Christian music. It draws them into a heart of worship, and by the time they're home, they are not the same person that they were when they got in the car. That's part of the power of worship. That's one of the reasons, one of the purposes of worship is to clear, literally, clear the air. You've heard that phrase before? We just need to clear the air. Man, there's just too much stuff going on. We've got to clear the air. That's in reference spiritually to the prince of the power of the air that's there creating havoc and creating an atmosphere in your life to, to hold you back and to press you down. But when your praises rise up, not press down, rise up, then it removes things. It moves things. Spiritually speaking, it clears the air. 
And that's why David was brought in to spend time with Saul. To clear the air. Next week, we're going to talk more about worship and how it opens up doors and how it positions you. But we're also going to talk about David being cast again out into a different season that made him feel alone. So, 1 Samuel chapter 16 ver- through, I'm sorry, chapter 16 ver- through chapter 23. 1 Samuel chapter 16 through 23. It's only eight pages in my Bible. It's not a tough read. Eight pages. You got eight pages in the next week, right? 1 Samuel chapter 16 through chapter 23. It's okay to be hidden. It's okay to be taught by the Most High. It's okay. A safe place to be, one-on-one with the king who has hidden his precious treasure. You have been chosen by God to do what he's designed you to do. Let him do his work. Father, Lord God, we're thankful for this time that you've given us together. Father, to understand more so of who we are, how you see us, what you want to do in and through our lives. Father, to give us an example of one of your servants in Scripture that is, believe it or not, one that we can relate to, though we may never be king of Israel or queen of Israel. The position that you have set us aside for is great in your eyes. It is powerful in your eyes. And you have custom designed us for those positions. So Father, may we step into those positions boldly with confidence and trust in you that we've never had before. Father, I pray that through the things we say, the things we do, our actions, our reactions, that your name is made great. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.